If you have your Bibles with you tonight, would you open them please once again to the book of Jeremiah? Tonight we're going to be concluding a sermon series we started many, many weeks ago on this book. Perhaps you're saying, well, Pastor, you didn't cover all the chapters. You didn't cover all the verses. Well, I did that for a reason. I plan on being around a while. (laughs) We'll come back to it a little bit later. Is that okay with you? Tonight, Jeremiah 44. The 44th chapter of Jeremiah. And I want to read to you in verse 16. One of the saddest verses found in the Bible. Some people will not listen. Jeremiah 44, verse 16. As for the word that thou hast spoken to us in the name of the Lord, we will not hearken unto you. Jeremiah, concerning that word that you gave to us that came from the Lord God, Jeremiah, we are not going to listen to you. The story is told of a little boy who went to the grocery store to buy some laundry detergent. The clerk, as he was checking out, was teasing him a little bit, and she said, Son, you must have a lot of clothes to wash. He said, no, ma'am, I'm not buying this to wash clothes. I'm buying this to wash my dog. Well, the clerk said, young man, do you know that this laundry detergent's real harsh? It's got some things in it that probably wouldn't be good for your dog's skin. You could make him sick. You could even kill him if you put this on him. But the little boy wouldn't listen. He was one of those know-it-all, done-it-all types, maybe you know some, maybe you're one of them, I hope not. But he said, no, I'm going to buy it anyway. I've done made up my mind on this. He's going to get washed in this laundry detergent. Well, about a week later, the clerk saw the little boy in the store. So she called him over and she said, you're the little boy that bought the laundry detergent to wash your dog last week, weren't you? He said, yes, ma'am. Well, she said, how's the dog doing? And the little boy said, well, he died. Well, the clerk didn't want to act like a know-it-all, but she wanted to let the little boy know that didn't have to happen. She said, I'm so sorry to hear that. But you know, I did tell you not to wash him in that laundry detergent. Well, the little boy said, ma'am, I don't think it was the laundry detergent that made him die. I think it was the spin cycle. (laughs) That little boy wouldn't listen. The people of Jeremiah's day wouldn't listen. Many of us here tonight will not listen. We have steel trap minds. They're tightly shut and you can hardly open them. Many of us refuse to change our mind or hearts. Even when we hear a word from the Lord, 
even when we are told directly by the Lord himself. And such was the case in Jeremiah's day. In the 44th chapter of Jeremiah, the Israelites have fled Israel. Remember I told you this morning, Habakkuk was a contemporary to Jeremiah. Remember I told you this morning that God had had decided to bring the Babylonians, a pagan nation, a, a wicked people, to be his instruments of justice against his own nation and his own people who refused to worship him, who refused to follow him in the paths of righteousness. He brought the Babylonians against them, the Chaldeans. And some of the Israelites said, well, we're going to run to Egypt. That's where we came from in the beginning. We're going to go back there. We'll escape the Babylonians. We'll escape the Chaldeans. They're not going to abduct our children. They're not going to enslave our women. They're not going to kill us. We'll beat them to the punch, and we'll leave Israel, and we'll go to Egypt. Well, Jeremiah told them, do not go there. You're already out of the will of God already. Don't leave and go to Egypt. That's further out of the will of God. Don't go seeking help of Pharaoh. Pharaoh cannot help you. Why do you want to go to him? Why do you want to go to Egypt where they worship many gods? Do you think those gods are going to be able to help you? Jeremiah told his people not to go. Not only did they not listen to Jeremiah, they made him go with them. And there they are in Egypt, under Pharaoh, worshiping the gods of Egypt. Notice verses 17 and 18 that follows verse 16. God, Jeremiah, we're not listening to either one of you. We will certainly do whatsoever thing goeth forth out of our own mouth. We will burn incense unto the queen of heaven, the queen of heaven, and to pour out drink offerings unto her as we have done. And we and our fathers and our kings and our princes and in the cities of Judah and the streets of Jerusalem, for then we had plenty of bread and were well and we saw no evil. Jeremiah, who are you to tell us what we can do and can't do? God, who are you to tell us what we can do and what we can't do? Here we are in Egypt. In Egypt, we're safe. Pharaoh will protect us from the Babylonians. Here we are in Egypt, and we have multiple gods to worship. After all, many gods are better than one god. Here we are in Egypt, and we're healthy, and we're wealthy. See, Jeremiah, you don't know what you're talking about. You see what the Israelites were doing, and the reason God did not want them to go to Egypt is they were entering in to syncretism. Syncretism. You may have heard that word before, but maybe you don't really know what it means. Well, in 
theological terms, it means taking gods from various religions and marrying them together. Taking doctrines and theologies from various religions and bringing them together in some type of unified package, if you will. I mean, after all, if if one God is good, many gods would be better. If one theology is good, then many theologies would be better. God did not want his people to go to Egypt because he knew exactly what would happen. They would begin to put their trust in Pharaoh. They would begin to put their trust in Egyptian gods. They would be Egyptianized. And Christianity, as God wanted it, as it was presented in that day, would become a wicked form of idolatry with a fancy name. Syncretism. Taking a little bit here, a little bit there, as you go through the cafeteria line of religions. I think I would like that, please. A little bit of that, please. No, ma'am, I don't like that. Yes, ma'am, I'll take a little bit of that and a heaping bit of that. Syncretism. And God hates it. Norman and some of you have been to Haiti before, as I have. You know, Haiti has a form of Christianity in many places. A form of Christianity. But in many places, that Christianity has been syncretized with voodoo. The very practices of voodoo and witchcraft somehow have got intertwined into the Christian faith of many Haitians. You go to Africa and you'll see in many places Christianity mixed with tribal religion, superstition. Oh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a type of Christianity, but it's been watered down with tribal religious traditions and superstitions and beliefs. You go to Western Europe, to the United States, and we're beginning to see Christianity now being synchronized with the New Age. The New Age movement is nothing but the old lies that Satan sold Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden repackaged and now introduced into the church as something new and something novel and something that's cutting edge and having a relationship with God. New Ageism has invaded the church of Jesus Christ and many people haven't got a clue. Tina Turner, most of you know her, Ike and Tina Turner were a singing group many years ago and Ike is gone, but Tina still performs. I guess she's up in her 60s or 70s. Still a fireball of energy. But you know what she calls herself? She did an interview some time back, and she was talking about faith. (laughs) And she said, well, I'm a Buddhist Baptist. A Buddhist Baptist? 
I, I, let me tell you what she said. She said, I believe in the Ten Commandments, but I don't feel I need to follow them outwardly. Only in my subconscious mind. Now think about that. She said, I'm a chanter. A chanter. By saying the right things over and over, I can tap into divine energy. She's a Buddhist Baptist. Why would people wish to synchronize the gospel and the theology of our Lord Jesus Christ? You say, well, pastor, they're dumb. No, they're not. A lot of people who are involved in synchronizing Christianity are very smart people. They're very intelligent people. You say, well, they're just a bunch of heathens. No, most of them have a spirituality to them, a religiosity to them. So why, why would the Israelites want to go to Egypt and synchronize their faith with the Egyptian faith and come away with some hybrid faith that's neither one? Why would Tina Turner seek to do that? Why are many pastors across America and churches across America under many different names doing it? Well, maybe it's because some people want to practice a particular sin. And Christianity will not allow them in its purest form to practice that sin. So why not just go out and find a religion that will allow you to practice this sin? Mix it with your Christianity and you're home free. You know, a lot of people do that. They church hop looking for a church that will endorse what they want to do. And if you look hard enough, you'll find a minister who will check you off on the sin you want to commit. You'll find a church that has no problem with the sin you want to practice. Just a, a, just a, 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 a cursory look at the internet. Look at all the things that call themselves Christian. Christian nudists. Christian alcoholics. Christian addicts. Christian strippers. Christian prostitutes. Christian abortionists. Christian playboys. Christian racists. Christian homosexuals. It seems like if you just put Christian on it, everything's okay. I can still practice my sin, and I can do it in the name of Jesus. I tell you, hell's going to be hot for those who make a mockery of God's holiness. If you want to practice that sin, just practice it, but don't drag the name of Jesus into it. Jesus comes to save us from sin and to save us out of sin. He changes us. If your salvation hasn't changed you, you better change your salvation. Because when He comes in, He changes everything. He doesn't save us to stay the same. He doesn't save us that we might have a sanctified sin. So the Israelites went to Egypt. Maybe they had some sins they wanted to carry with them that God disproved of. 
So they said, we'll just get us some other gods. We'll get us some Egyptian religion. And we'll keep what we like of ours. We'll keep what we like of theirs. And we'll just mix it together like we're making some biscuits. Maybe they wanted to practice syncretism, the mixing of their religions together, because they they wanted to embrace a particular theology. And so they had to modify Christianity to do it. You know, many people already make up their mind what they want to believe. And then they go to the Bible to find a verse or a scripture they can use to justify their belief. Listen, we read the Bible to find out what God believes, and then we accept it. We don't go with our beliefs and try to impose them on the Word of God. But maybe some people believe, well, I have a particular sin I want to practice. I can't practice it with pure Christianity, so let me water it down and change it. I've got a particular theology that I believe in. So I've got to create a a Christianity that will allow me to believe in this theology. Can I be so bold as to say we have a denomination that wants to believe that Mary is a goddess? Despite what the Word of God says about her, they want to make her a goddess. And so they have mixed their belief with Christianity. They want to create a purgatory for those that are half bad. If you're whole bad, you go to hell. If you're whole good, you go to heaven. But most of us are just going to be in this fantasy land called purgatory. A limbo state where you're not in either one. They want to believe that, so they created a theology that has that in it. Now you say, well, pastor, why would they want to create that? Why would they want to create a a purgatory? What would be the reason? Well, it's because they believe in indulgences. Indulgences is a fancy word of making money to get people out of purgatory into heaven. Uncle Grand, uh, uh, your grandpa, Grandpa Jones, Uncle Billy, Man, they're in purgatory. But they they can't do nothing about it. But their family that are here can. You can help them. Look at all the different sins they committed. And go to this particular denomination. They'll add them up. And for $7,000.19... They can help you get Grandpa Jones out of purgatory. Uncle Billy can get out of purgatory. And the coffers of the church, ring, 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 ding, 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 just keep getting bigger. And then they have annulments. Annulments for the wealthy. You can't get divorced in this denomination, but they'll give you an annulment. But there's a price. Oh, you need an annulment? Mr. Kennedy, we'll be glad to give you one. Just pay this amount. Dink. Done. Then they got allowances. 
allowances. You, you're supposed to believe like we believe, but if you choose not to believe like we believe, you normally would be a bad person, but for a fee, <laughs> we'll make an allowance for you because you're a celebrity or a politician. And we've got a gentleman that we want to call the Christ on earth. So we've got to come up with a way we can make him a pope. This particular denomination, all they've done is taken their beliefs, their theologies, and they have forced them into a hybrid form of Christianity. The Israelites went to Egypt. We've got some sin that God disproves of, but we'll find a, a religion in Egypt that allows us to do it. We've got a theology that we want to embrace, but the Word of God forbids it, so that's okay. We'll go and find us a religion that allows us to believe such. Maybe some people practice syncretism because... They just want to be part of the crowd. I mean, after all, everybody's doing it. Isn't that what it was said in verse 16 and 17? Didn't, didn't the prophet record their answer to him? And they said, listen, what we're doing, what's the big deal? Our parents did it. Our grandparents did it. Our uncles and aunts did it. Our cousins are doing it. The kings are doing it. The Hollywood stars are doing it. The rock singers are doing it. We can do it too. After all, all of those people can't be wrong. Can they? Everybody's doing it. So I'll do it too. I don't, I don't know all of the reasons, but the Israelites went to Egypt. They took the pure faith of their Lord God and they mixed it with the gods of Egypt. They took the pure theology of the Word of God, they mixed it with the theologies of Egypt. And they had created a hybrid Christianity that was nothing Christian about it, except in name only. It was idolatry. And Jeremiah appeals to him. First of all, he told them not to go, but they went. And he says, listen, you're not going to escape the Babylonians. They're coming to Egypt. Pharaoh cannot match up against Nebuchadnezzar. Your gods are not going to help you when the Babylonians march. And when they get here, they're going to take you and do what they would have done to you in your own land except it's going to be ten times worse. Come back to God. Forsake these gods. Turn from Pharaoh. Come back to the truth, he says. This is Jeremiah speaking. He's appealing to his people. And they dismiss him. Move aside. We're not going to listen to you. We don't like what you're telling us to do. We will find a prophet who we like to listen to. 
we don't like what God has said to do. We'll find us some gods who we like what they say better. Verse 16, we will not listen to you. Of course, history shows us that the Babylonians did march into Egypt. And everything the prophet said was going to happen did happen. In closing tonight, I want to challenge you concerning the Bible, the Word of God. You may not know it, maybe you do. But this is the foundation of our faith. And it is under assault as never before. The forces that are aligned against Christianity are smart. They're intelligent. In some cases, they're demonically inspired. Instead of attacking the Bible directly and frontally, they attack the Bible indirectly from the sides. They chip away a little bit at a time. They boil the frog one degree at a time. The frog doesn't know that he's about to be boiled because the temperature is rising gradually. And God's people don't know they're being duped because the truth is being subtly mixed just a just a little bit with lies and deceptions, a little bit at a time. Understand, first of all, if you will, tonight in closing, the Bible is the Word of God. It does not contain the Word of God. Listen to your pastor. It doesn't contain the Word of God. It is the Word of God. From Genesis to Revelation and all points in between, it's inspired, it's infallible, it's inerrant, and it always applies to every man of every generation. When it speaks of morals, when it speaks of theology, it never changes. If it was wrong a hundred years ago, it's wrong today. Secondly, the Bible is the gold standard by which we're to weigh everything morally and spiritually. The Bible determines what we believe and how we behave. Know your Bible. Biblical illiteracy has never been greater than today. Every home has two or three Bibles and they just sit there, closed, gathering dust. Know your Bible. Know what God says about the moral issues and the spiritual issues that we're facing today. Know your Bible. I don't care if you know what I know. I don't care if you know what a Sunday school teacher knows. I don't care if you know what a small group teacher knows. But know your Bible. Thirdly, there's a warning in the Word of God not to be adding to it. 
Don't you be going out and out trying to pull other things in and add it to the Word of God. Don't you subtract from it. Don't you go through with your scissors and try to cut out stuff you don't like. And don't you go mixing it with something else. A little bit here, a little bit there. And don't you go trying to change its plain intended meaning. You've got a lot of men of God who try to muddy the waters, but listen, muddy waters don't always run deep. I believe what God says is what God means. And certainly education can help us understand what God is saying a little better. But when God says something that's plain and simple, we need to accept it as that. Instead of trying to make it something that's not. I believe to add to the Word of God, to subtract from the Word of God, to mix the Word of God, or to try to change the Word of God. Listen to your pastor. It's high treason. And it's a grave wickedness that God will judge one day very intensely. You don't mess with His Word. Lastly, I want you to understand the Bible says in the last days of history it will be abandoned. We already see it. Pastors no longer bring a Bible. They just don't even have one. They just they point you to a verse they got up on the screen. There's nothing wrong with that, I suppose. Except you never learn where anything is in your Bible. If I was to ask some of you right now to turn to Zephaniah, we'd be here to midnight. If I asked you to turn to the book of Bereans, some of you would be making... By the way, there is no book of Bereans. Sir, you can put, don't be looking, there's not one. We need to know our Bibles. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, says Paul to Timothy. But after their own lust, after their own desires, after their own passions, they shall heap to themselves teachers. They'll go find themselves teachers who will scratch their ears and they will turn away from the truth. And they will believe in fables. Folks, we're there. It's before our very eyes. It used to be Baptist meant something. When you walked into a Baptist church, the beliefs were fairly consistent. That's not the case anymore. It used to be the same for Methodists and Presbyterian and, and Pentecostalism. They, they were all a system of beliefs, and most of them were biblical. Some of them were nuances and idiosyncrasies we could disagree on, but by and large, there, there was a foundation of consistency. Now the names don't mean anything. You can go to Baptist churches that will be liberal. You can go to Baptist churches that will be conservative. You can go to Baptist churches who never use the Bible. You can go to Baptist churches who use the Bible and preach it and teach it. One more thing and I'm through. 
I told you that New Age is being introduced into the Church of Jesus Christ. It probably started back in the 1970s, to be truthful with you. But it's become bolder and more emboldened as they've been able to make advances here and out there. What, what are some New Age stuff that's kind of working itself into the church? The Trojan horse, if you will, that's in many churches today and many people don't even know it because they don't understand what's being said because it's cloaked in Christianity. Deep meditation, hypnotic trances are being taught in churches. Why? So you can find your inner self. And then if you want to find the spirits, you know, those spirits that are educating and enlightening and, and they can teach you things that you would never know. There's channeling. And then, if you want to get closer to God, there's chanting. Tina Turner said she was a chanter. What does that mean? It means that she says the same thing over and over and over in mindless repetition. Seeking to connect with something out there that is God. Then you have visualization being taught. Positive confession. If you can see it, if you can name it, if you can claim it, you'll get it. You want a jet plane? Just sit back and try to visualize that jet plane. Just visualize it. Then make a positive confession that that plane is yours. And if you do it long enough and you do it with enough passion, what you see and what you name and what you claim, you're going to get. The divinity of man. We're all good. They're not, you know, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Listen, that's old school. All are good. And we just need a little help to become God's ourselves. The divinity of man. The Bible is a guidebook. The Bible's not the authoritative book. It's just a guidebook that we can use. We can choose what we want out of it as we go on our journey seeking to become who we want to be, seeking to contact who we want to contact as we build our inner self. Saturation praying. Let's all gather around somebody who needs prayer and let's move the air around them. We're going to stir up the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you understand this? This is in Baptist churches, just like this one. And the people don't know any better. 
That's why you need to know the Word of God. The new age is moved into the faith. There's a syncretism taking place before our very eyes, and, and many of us don't know it. We're just told that it's new. We're just told that it's novel. We're just told that it's a new way of, of, of worshiping God. And I'm telling you, it's not new at all. It's Gnosticism. Repackaged for you and I. The latest trend that's coming is darkening the sanctuary. Lighting candles instead of lights. Having symbols everywhere. Oftentimes occultic symbols. Having repetitive chanting in a yoga-type position where you just say the same thing over and over and over again. And the music, it's, it's repetitive music in the background. It's like the old guitar riffs from the 60s when the guitar players would introduce songs and they would open with riffs, except the riffs never end. They just continually roll over. Aromas, smoke, an atmosphere that appeals to the flesh and to feelings and to energy. And all of that is straight out of the book of New Ageism. And yet many churches, emerging churches, they call themselves, are embracing it. People just like you, they do it. And ministers just like I have fallen for it. In fact, some cases they introduce it. I could go through and give you the names of some of these who are involved in it and probably shock you. You'd say, I, I can't believe that. I'm telling you, it's true. I'm just telling you, folks, we need to know this book. Because the day is coming when the gods of Egypt are not going to help us. We better know the God of heaven. And our smorgasbord of beliefs are not going to help us. We better know the word of God. The Babylonians are coming. You better make sure you know what you believe and why you believe it. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed.